apologize. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Hello there. It's your absolute favorite host of all time on all the internets. It's Obi-John Kenobi coming to you with an all new episode of Talk Nerdy 2 Electric Boogaloo with the total A-team here. Um, the man who keeps the nerd in Talk you Nerdy. Know Commander Cisco Scott. 12,005 router IP capacity of 5 gigabytes per second. No, no, no. Is he done talking? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> My alarm didn't go off. Uh, I don't even know who that is. And, <laughs> and here to is that the bot? The newest... Is that the bot talking? Has the bot gone sentient? <laughs> that is not the recording bot. That is Commander Scott. Oh, okay. uh, and uh, here to introduce our newest uh, contest, our resident expert on all things guns, beer, and titties, Julian. Yes. So I know I've been away for a little while. We had some. Uh essential needs out in the world and i didn't know what was going on so i had to take a short break but now that i'm back but we all know that i love guns i love playing with guns i love touching guns i love licking guns i love cleaning guns and typically (laughs) throughout the show you can hear me uh, racking slides uh hitting a pump on a shotgun playing with a lever action rifle uh any number of fun cool adult things so if you can tell me with any sort of accuracy what gun i am playing with today that is not my dick <laughs> we have a very special prize for you so let me give you a little i'm hint. glad you specified it's not your dick <laughs> this week it's not my dick sometimes it is this week it's not <clears throat> but well, i'll give you a sneak peek i'll give you a real quick little there you go that's what you get for now and i'll do it randomly throughout the show but if you can tell me <laughs> even with any cl- anything close to what i might be playing with John has a fantastic prize for you that we'll introduce here in a little bit later. All right, then. With that, uh, we are going to start the show because we've got quite a few things to talk about. Um, first and foremost, uh, one of the most beloved sporting inter- sorry, sports entertainment events of all time uh, happened two Sundays ago now. Uh, or was it just last Sunday? It was last Sunday. I forget yeah. what it is. Anyway, this past Truth. Sunday... We're in the time beyond time. with <laughs> WrestleMania 36 was this past weekend. Um, we're going to give you our quick breakdown of what we liked, what we didn't like. I'm going to give you a hot take at the end. Um, Cox is going to take a nap because <laughs> he has now replaced me as the resident non-wrestling fan. Uh, One day. We converted said, you. What did, what did you like? What didn't you like? Well, we converted you. We'll convert Scott one of these days. So <laughs> we'll get him there. Uh, I mean, I guess the my number one favorite thing um, from WrestleMania probably was 
uh, Drew McIntyre finally obtaining uh, the WWE Championship from your favorite wrestler, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Shut up, you, you whore. I am firmly on the fuck Brock Lesnar bandwagon. So, yes, that was one of my favorite moments was that giant freaking corn cob here giving up his belt. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good match. I think it was only like four and a half minutes or something, and it consisted of like, what, four F5s and three or four Claymores. Um, honestly, this has been one of the better-built matches coming into WrestleMania this year. Like, there was a lot of uh, back and forth. It started with uh, Royal Rumble, yeah. which I think was probably the best Rumble in years. Um, you had Brock come in as number one. Paul Heyman built him up as the unstoppable force that he truly is most times. And he came through and he, you know, he set, he tied the record eliminating 13 people by himself. Um, he, everybody thought he was just going to run away with it. It was super entertaining. He was launching dudes out left and right. He was tossing people out by themselves. He was tossing out, you know, Braun Strowman and Keith Lee when they were messing with each other. Like it was just, it was fun. It was hilarious. Brock looked like it was one of those times when he was actually enjoying performing. Cause you know, sometimes, he just looks like he's mad at the world. And then other times he actually looks like he's having fun. When he smiled, when Keith Lee got in the ring, he's like, oh, you're a big fella. You know, that was probably (laughs) the best part of the entire match. But then for Drew McIntyre, who, you know, he came, McMahon brought him in, what was it, like 11 years ago, nine years ago, something like that, and basically put put the crown on his head and said, this guy's the future. He has all the potential in the world. He is my pick to be the or one of the next big superstars. He will be a future WWE champion. He kind of, you know, had a little singles thing. Then he was in three man band, which was, you know, kind of just stupid. Even though go the guys are cool, it was just a shitty gimmick. Brock even called him out on it years ago. <clears throat> but it turned out to be he took some time off from wrestling. He thought he was gonna. He didn't think he'd ever make it back, but he did. He came back. You know, he got on steroids. He came back bigger and better than ever. And uh, Drew McIntyre, he's just <clears throat> him and Brock together are just powerhouse. It's it's Godzilla and King Kong in there together because as big and as strong and as fast as Brock is, Drew McIntyre is just as, if not more. Um, and he even looked like he's got an inch or two on Brock. Like they're just both physical specimens. It was a lot of fun to watch to just <clears throat> like submarines running into each other. And uh, that's all it took. You just two big badass guys, uh, Brock being in a good mood, actually selling the Claymores, uh, and then Drew looking unstoppable because then they had the bullshit on Raw the next night when he beat the shit out of the Big Show for some reason. I don't I don't understand what that was about, but that was because Big Show's there to collect a paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, They're trying to promote that new no. show, but I mean, it was just great to see Drew after all these years and all that potential finally get to the mountaintop to where he gets a belt. It was it was like you said it was a short match, but I feel like sometimes that's fine. Like the match was as long as it needed to be. Everyone got their spots, their bumps. <laughs> uh, no, I look. I still hate Brock Lesnar, but <laughs> that's uh Royal Rumble, like legit Brock was having fun, like you said, and it did a lot to build him up as like, you know, look, Paul Heyman is the greatest front man in the history of the business. Uh, so it's nice to see sometimes Brock come out and do more than just start laying uh, uh pallet driver, not pallet driver. Um, suplexes. Thank you. <laughs> Doing more than just throwing 18 suplexes and calling it a night. Uh, and, and that was fun to see. Uh, yeah, that match was good. Uh, the the two of them were paired well together, I think. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't think as soon as uh, Brock walked in, was, oh, well, he's going to win this because the other guy is like half his size. Like, it was a cool matchup. Yeah, um, I mean, there was never any fear. Like, it wasn't like the, <clears throat> the Daniel Bryan match last WrestleMania, I think, when, I mean, 
him and Brock put on a great match, but you just thought Daniel Bryan was going to die. Like he came out of retirement. Yeah. He's going to go against Brock Lesnar. He's probably going to get his neck broken, be paralyzed for the rest of his life, but they put on a great match. And like I said, when Brock's into it and having fun, like, and he likes working with uh, smaller guys, but now he was with a big guy who actually matched up with him physically. It was just, it was cool to watch. I yeah. thought it was a really, uh, it was one of the major highlights. And then you could see the emotion in, in uh, Drew after the match because, you know, he broke the golden rule of never break the fourth wall and like talk directly through the camera. <laughs> but yeah. there's no fucking crowd there. So he had to yeah. talk to somebody. So it was really cool. Uh, I'm going to run through my top three real quick. Um, okay. Because they're not, there's not a lot to say about these. Uh, this is just sort of unlike ascending order uh kevin owens got what in any what in any other wrestlemania would have been a huge wrestlemania moment when he leapt off the wrestlemania sign uh i thought that was a really cool spot from him unfortunately there's no crowd there to get pumped about it so i feel like that kind of got lost in the wave of stuff we got from this mania yeah and the fucked up thing is is he his the original spot he planned was going to be jumping off um, the pirate ship at Raymond James Stadium. He's going to find oh, a way to jump awesome. off of it onto Seth Rollins. I mean that. I mean that would have been amazing, and this was amazing too. But just like you said, man, there was that with no crowd there to pop. It was kind of it may have been lost in the the shadows, the but it was yeah. it was it was a cool spot. I love Kevin Owens. Always have, um, and that was just him and Seth Rollins together are just fantastic. But this feud needs to end. They need to move on, go against other people. But uh, Kevin Owens is one of the best in the business. He's good. He's always fun to watch. He's always entertaining. Absolutely. Uh, my next biggest was, I feel like we're finally building the Bailey versus Sasha feud. Again? At the end of that, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, at the end of the title match, legit, I was just waiting for Sasha to just, like, throw a kick or, or like, drop the, because she came back in at the end of the match to hand Bailey back the belt, and she just kept drawing it out looking at the belt and i was like oh here we go oh here we go she's gonna turn she's gonna turn on it didn't happen it didn't but i feel like everybody watching at home was waiting just like i was for that moment of uh okay this is it here we go and maybe we didn't quite get the that full turn yet but i feel like we're starting to build towards it it's the match everyone wants to see i'd really want to see it happen and i really want to see that bring about the uh the face turn for bailey as much as I love Bailey as a heel, I don't think it's working. I just don't think she's got it. She's she's just not a mean person. Yeah, I mean, Sasha is a natural born heel, just like Charlotte. Like they're yeah. the two best heels in the business. Uh, I like how they're setting it up, and they're not going with the same old bullshit that we've seen like two or three times before, where Sasha turns on Bailey and does something stupid. Like she's legitimately like she. You can tell she wants the belt, but she hasn't stabbed her in the back yet. I mean, yeah, it, obviously yeah. one of her moves is called the backstabber. Um, so that's. <laughs> That's what she does. But, I mean, I'm glad they haven't gone down that road again. I'm really hoping they won't because, I mean, that's just a that's a fucking trick we've seen time and time again. Just let them – let Sasha win like a gauntlet match or something to be – Yeah. Uh, or a ladder match or something to be money number one contender yeah. or money in the bank. Yeah, that'd be cool too. So just let her do something and them go at it clean versus, you know, her backstabbing her like they yeah. always do. I mean, uh, I give – I'm glad they're letting it play out. They didn't, you know, turn Bailey right back to face like a month later. Like they've let it play out. They've let her be a heel for a while. So when it does eventually happen, it'll feel significant again. Uh, I give yeah. credit for that. Yeah, I mean, I like I like long hill runs. It's been what like nine months because she she's had the belt for just a right at a year, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, because she got it. Yeah, she yeah, took yeah, it yeah. from uh, Becky right before last WrestleMania, I think. 
or maybe right after. I, I don't remember. I believe you're right. Either way, but she's coming up really close. Like she's had a lot of good uh, defenses. I think the the matches she's getting now are a little bit better. And she's, I get what you're saying. She's kind of a whiny bitch. Um, but I like, I, I just like Bailey as a hill. I like hills. Hills to me are more interesting than faces. <laughs> like I just, I don't get, I get it. Like, that. And, and most of the time you're right. And I get it. I, I just feel like uh, she's playing against her, her actual personality type a little bit. And again, leave her heel i don't mind her as a heel but i feel like she's more naturally a face uh and i, mean, I know at some point they'll go back to it. we'll get that you know big moment where the you know the bailey buddies will queue up again and the old musical come back it'll happen at some point i'm in no rush to get there uh, and especially if that's if this is what we're building up if if sasha backstabs steals the belt bailey has to do some soul searching and, and does the whole angle of i got the title i got what i wanted but what did it cost me to get there I'm going to get it back, but I'm going to do it as the real me. And then boom, she's back. Like, you know, it, it, the story writes itself. I'm in no rush to get there. I'm, I'm happy seeing it play out the way it is, but uh, I feel like we're finally planting a solid seed for that story. Uh, at, at night two of WrestleMania. Yeah. I think it was I night two, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my top absolute favorite moment. Uh, and I don't even know how to, I try to describe this to someone at work today who doesn't watch wrestling. And I think I just sounded like I was off on medication. Uh, you know where I'm going. The Firefly Funhouse quote unquote match yeah. between John Cena and Bray Wyatt. I don't think you can call it a match. I think there was all of like one move thrown the entire bit. But oh my God, this was like 30 minutes of just pure wrestling nostalgia field bat shit craziness and i loved it yeah i mean uh, there was a lot of talk about how i guess they were in talks to get uh hulk hogan to be in it as well and for whatever reason they couldn't come to terms but you could kind of see where they mm-hmm. were going they were setting it up for hogan to be there because you know they did the saturday night main event they did the nwo yeah. they did all this but it was just i'm sitting there watching i was like what in the fuck is going on like this is just <laughs> weird and it just kept going and going i was like i mean it it's still interesting. And then at the end, like, I was like, what in the fuck did I just watch? No, and was, I went back and kind of watched most of it again. I was like, mm-hmm. God damn, that was fucking cool. Like I know, uh, Xavier Woods from, uh, you know, the new day even came out. He's like, Oh, I love cinematic wrestling or something like that. Like when they tell a story through vignettes and stuff like that. And that was just, it was like a fever dream. I was like, God damn, yeah. did I fucking stick some, some peyote up my ass or something? I don't know what's <laughs> going on. But it was cool, man. Like just seeing John Cena do go through all his different, you know, his past inca- gimmicks. Yeah, exactly. All the gimmicks, all the incarnations that we've seen of John Cena, and then to see Bray Wyatt, who's the best. Uh, well, him and Kevin Owens are probably tied, but they're they're just the best promo guys in the business. Like nobody can tell a story like Bray Wyatt. He's he just hands down. That's his niche. That's what he does. He does that better than anybody. And, I thought uh, I loved it because I think it really took advantage of. Okay, we don't have a crowd. There's no one to play to. People are going to be watching. Everyone's going to be watching this at home. No one can watch it live. So how do we create an experience when you're sitting at home on your couch? And like this is something that you could not have done in a ring live. Like this could only have been done as a pre-done video package. You know, it was very well produced. Uh, it was a great you know trip down this. The, it, I just love the entire concept of the match was in the Firefly Funhouse, and that's essentially like the fiend is Freddy, and this was you know John Cena's nightmare, and he's just playing yeah. with them. Like reality is warped and time is bendable, and it, it was again as it was happening, I was there like John the floor, like what the fuck is this? <laughs> but it ended, and I was like, 
that was amazing, and I can't wait to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, um, but I, I think it really took advantage of we don't have a crowd to play to, so let's play to the crowd at home. Uh, yeah, and it, let's give them it's something the to kind talk of about. Thing that yeah. you can you, you want to rewatch it again and again. Yeah, uh, so that was my my favorite media moment. Um, any other top moments for you, Julian? Well, I mean, you kind of set me up to sound like an idiot because you were like, "Well, what was your top moment?" And I told you, and then you're sorry. like, "Well, I got three of them." I'm like, "What sorry. the fuck?" I always <laughs> over prepare. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. We can move on. Anyway. I, do this. Um, <laughs> I liked a lot of the stuff. Um, I mean, there was some stuff that I was kind of ambivalent about, like the Becky Lynch beating Shayna Baszler. I was like, eh, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It just seemed kind of. I would rather see. Bailey actually come back and win the match rather than doing like a sunset roll up or whatever she did. Yeah. Um, that was okay. Whatever. Um, probably. I mean, probably my next favorite thing probably would have been, it's probably a tie. I'm going to be a bitch and say it's a tie between um, the Otis and Dolph Ziggler match. Oh uh, yeah. Sonya Deville and uh, Mandy Rose coming out the end. They finally become a couple. I mean, it was just Dolph Ziggler's one of the best sellers in the business. Sonya Deville is criminally underrated mandy Sachs is poised to be a superstar or mandy rose is poised to be a superstar and otis is just otis he's the he's hilarious <laughs> yeah. he's, he's freakishly strong and fast and athletic and he's hilarious he's just one of the most fun guys i've ever seen he's lo- he loves what he does um he's just polish power left and right man he's just he is awesome and i just thought that was a cool match it's telling a a dumb story, but a cool story. It's way more, it's got me way more invested than the whole Bobby Lashley, Lana bullshit. Like I couldn't care less about that. Like I'm ready for Lana and Rusev to be back together. And just as far as relationship goes, this is like the only one I care about. Um, And I said that as a tie (laughs) with uh, my OG favorite female of all time, Charlotte against my new boo, Rhea Ripley. That was just, yeah, that was a good match. it was a fantastic match to kick off like the actual, the main show on night two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like 20 some minutes. I think um, both of them showed a whole lot of strength and grit and endurance. And, you know, Charlotte's a natural hill and she's fantastic. And uh, Rhea Ripley's not really a face. She's more of like an anti face or an anti hero, yeah. kind of like Wolverine. Like she, she's a punk badass and she's never going to be the bubblegum pop Bailey, but she's never going to really be, you know, like just a weird old bitch like Tamina. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, Rhea Ripley is just, she's flat out gorgeous. Yeah. And they told a really cool story about how, you know, when she first got into WWE and she was in NXT, they kept comparing her to Charlotte. So it was really cool to see them actually finally get to uh, face off. The only thing mm-hmm. I didn't like about the match, even though the match itself was great, <clears throat> is they took the title off Rhea too early. Like, I don't think she'd been a champ long enough because you had this buildup where, uh, Shayna Baszler had been the women's champ for the better part of two years. And Rhea finally comes in and beats her. You fill the ring with all her fans. And like, finally the bitch is dead. And, you know, she gets called up, you know, Rhea is the new face of NXT. And then like three months later or whatever it is, you take the belt off of her. I just think that yeah. I know what they're doing. They're trying to get more big names on NXT. They've got Finn Balor and now they got Charlotte. So they're trying to drum up rating support, but I just, I don't know that, you sacrifice your long-term gain for short-term gain in that way. Like I, I don't want Rhea to get lost in the shuffle. I really hope that, you know, Charlotte comes down there, they get a ratings pop and, and she's there maybe a month or two. She, she's <clears throat> takes on all the heels and then Rhea, you know, kind of fights her way back, starts fucking with her. And then eventually at maybe one of the next takeovers or something, she gets her belt back and then she gets there to, you, go. you know, run roughshod in NXT for the next year before she gets called up. So it, it was totally a great agree. match. I just, I really wish Rhea had won, but it was still, 
one of my favorites of the whole thing. And then cool. um, we already talked about, you know, the Firefly Funhouse, which was great. We talked about Drew McIntyre, which was great. Um, and then I guess probably my favorite thing, which may be your least favorite. Here we go. Here we go. Yep, let's go ahead and just <laughs> jump into it. Let's the do it. goddamn resurgence of the American badass Undertaker <laughs> beating uh, AJ Styles in the Boneyard match. Which, when I heard about that, I was like, a Boneyard match? I'm like, isn't this just a fucking other casket match or something? And it wasn't. Like, it was really well produced, it was well shot. Um, it was like on a location somewhere, you know, they, you know, they tore down a fucking barn. They destroyed a limo, like the taker rode in on this fucking, uh, motorcycle. And then he actually got to bury AJ Styles using the tractor and it will bury like, kind of like he buried the undertaker, but, uh, or, uh, the ultimate warrior, but he buried him. And it was just like, well, this was fucking cool. Like if he goes, if this is his last match, awesome. This was great. It was a, it was a, Knockdown, drag out street fight, which fits the American badass character and kind of the Undertaker's body right now because he's not, he can't be as athletic as he could, as he used to be when he used to do um, old school and some of those high flying moves that he did as the Undertaker. So, him as the brawling, you know, biker just makes sense, uh, you know, the sunset of his career. So, if he does any more, any more matches, I'm sure it'll be like the double deuce bar fight or something. It'll be something stupid, but it'll be, it'll be like off outside of a ring, you know, street fights, bar fights, stuff like that. And I just think that's where if we're going to keep staying in with this bullshit COVID-19 stuff, like you could set those up. And I think that'd be every couple weeks or whatever, you could have a new location. The Undertaker just beating the shit out of somebody. And I, I would love it every second of it. And big shout out to AJ Styles and, you know, Anderson and Gallows, man. Those dudes got their ass whooped left and right. And they made it look good. It was awesome. AJ, I still, I'll go to my grave saying AJ Styles is probably the greatest in-ring performer of all time. Um, and you know, him, Both Randy great. Orton, uh, Stone Cold, The Rock, guys like that. But I just think pure athleticism, storytelling, everything that AJ brings to the table, I just don't think there's anybody better than him. So, No, it is great. Uh, and he's definitely the kind of person you want to put with, like you said, Taker isn't physically where he used to be, so you got to pair him with somebody who can kind of carry a bit more than their load. Um, not that, you know, takers a cripple, but like somebody who can help sell and, 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 and carry some of the weight of the match. You can't all be on takers shoulders. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do counterpoint. I hated the boneyard match. Uh, first of all, it wasn't a fucking boneyard. It was a barn with some, uh, dollar store, Halloween store, uh, uh, gravestones sporadically spread throughout it. The audio was terrible. The lighting was terrible. The camera work couldn't decide if it was supposed to be, hey, we're in ring shooting it like it's live, or no, let's shoot it like it's a, cine- a, a cinematic experience. Like it kept going between kind of a wrestling match and a really shitty made for TV action movie where they kept trying to cover stuff with camera cuts and angles. Uh, and in moments that would have been amazing live in, in you know, the arena suffered because of the production of it and the biggest bit being spoiler at the end of the match aj gets taker into the grave gets up on the tractor he's starting the tractor up and all of a sudden boom the spotlight hits and there's taker right behind him now if that was live like if we were watching that in the arena and we see taker drop you know get dropped in the hole and then he's on the uh, aj's on the tractor and all of a sudden boom and then he appears behind him like a magic trick, that would have been fucking awesome. But it wasn't. It was just a cut. So that kind of 
killed it for me. It, 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 it that took all the coolness of that moment. I was like, oh wow, we cut shots. How impressive! Way to go, guys. Uh, look, I I am clearly in the minority on this, and I'm sure I am, I will get plenty of flack for it. But I did not like the Taker Boneyard match just because it it. it it was somehow both too overproduced and underproduced at the same time. <laughs> and I, I, I like, I know that makes no sense, but that's how I felt watching it. I was like, what is it? It, it didn't feel like wrestling. And I compare that with the Firefly Funhouse match because, again, that was not a wrestling match. The, the, the Firefly Funhouse experience, whatever it should be called, um, that was purely a cinematic thing. Like it, 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 uh, steered into the skid, like we always say on the show. Like it, it, it owned, this isn't going to be a wrestling match. This is going to be something just for people watching at home. It's something we could never do in the ring. The Boneyard match felt like they couldn't decide if it should be, hey, let's just shoot this like it's in the ring, even though it's at this like out you know uh, exterior location, or should we make it more produced and a little more glossy and slick because it's being produced? Like they couldn't decide what they wanted. Um, certainly not the worst match in the world, but I was not as impressed with it as everybody else was. And that's why. So tell me how I'm stupid and dumb and an idiot uh, in the comments below. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say you're a dumb or an idiot. You're just a, you know, (laughs) you're a film nerd. So you notice all that production shit and, you know, you've been part of pilots and everything else. And me, I mean, I noticed the cut and I knew it was way too quick because Undertaker's 50 some years old. There's no way his big ass is going to crawl out of that without AJ seeing it, you know, and then obviously at the end they already had the uh, the gravestone cut that said AJ Styles, blah blah blah, and then yeah. you know the the grave is six feet deep, but then you see AJ's hand sticking up with his phenomenal glove. Oh on. god, that stupid fake hand again! Some Halloween st- prop bullshit. Yeah, that thing looked stupid. It it was cheesy. Yeah, it was up. cheesy. It was a throwback to the old, you know, like I said, the old Undertaker casket matches and. Yeah. Um, like even some of the old uh, WCW, what were the old uh, like, like the monster guys? I can't remember. It was Kevin Dunn, and I can't remember who they were. It was like the Papa Shango and all those guys You're back in the day. Like that one. I can't remember what they were called. <laughs> Something of fear. I can't remember. Okay. It was in WCW, and then it was there was some in WWE too because you had the Boogeyman and Papa Shango and those guys like that. So okay, I mean, it, taking it back to those old school cheesy days, I thought it was kind of cool. I, if it's the swan song of the undertaker. I think it's awesome. Um, I liked it. it like I said, it, it reminded me of the bar fight at the double deuce in uh, <laughs> roadhouse. And uh, I mean, Mark Calloway's a badass. like to see him ride off on that motorcycle. Oh, yeah, I'm no. like, God damn. That was like one of the there reasons was... I wanted a motorcycle was to look like the undertaker <laughs> one day. There were some really cool moments. Uh, just my, my problem was, I think all of the coolest moments would have been like, draw jaw dropping uh like instant historical uh uh legend you know mania legend moments if they were in person if they were live uh and and i get it i get it they couldn't do it live so they're trying to do something cool uh and and play up the hey we don't have to be stuck in a ring in a building let's let's get you know in principle on paper it's a great idea. I just think they need to needed to work out what aesthetic were they trying to go for with it a little bit more. Um, are we going to shoot this like it's just a match, but it's happening in an exterior location <laughs> like they do all the time on like Raw when they go in the locker room or in the parking lot and shit like that? Or are we going to make this thing look a little bit slicker, a little more polished, a little bit more like a movie? In which case, you know, you got to look at things like lighting and, and audio and what. But again, 
Not the worst match I've seen. Again, I am clearly in the minority on that. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. That was WrestleMania 36. It's in the books. Definitely uh, one we'll be talking about for years to come, if for no other reason than uh, some batshit craziness. <laughs> uh, a two night event, uh, making the most of what they uh, what they had to work with. So there you go. Yep, it was good. Uh... I was a big fan, and I'm glad WWE Shop had a sale because I bought a couple <laughs> yes. T-shirts, and I bought uh, the Goldie NXT Championship belt, and it looks amazing, and I will fight anybody that says otherwise. It's awesome. Uh, well, we're already scheduled for the fracas in front of the firehouse. Don't you forget. Never. Date TBD. <laughs> Faithfully, Me I will be Julian, there. and <laughs> broad panty match <laughs> for the NXT replica belt. So I just have one question. Yes, yes, okay. guys, yes. How how well did uh, uh, Captain Lou Albano do? Fantastic, oh. especially when he dressed up as Mario. No, <laughs> well, and, and what about the rest of the rock and wrestlers? That's just I'm just just curious. The Rock I, and Roll Express, it. yeah. Marty Jannetty was there. It was cool. <laughs> I, Cox, I'm glad you're awake. Thank you for sticking out. What I told you would be like a ten minute <laughs> thing that I'm pretty sure went half an hour. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I love uh, wrestling. So with that, we're going to move on to our second <coughs> topic, and we're going to let Coxie take it. Uh, so like uh, like WWE, we are all trying to deal with the quarantine we're all stuck in. Um, and I, I like WWE. I have a feeling some of us have gotten a little crazy with some of the things we've been doing <laughs> to keep busy. So topic number two this week, what have you discovered to keep yourself busy during quarantine? Coxie, take it away. Well, uh, first of all, I'm I'm still I'm still going to work, but uh, on the weekends and stuff, such when I can't get out and go anywhere because of the quarantine. <clears throat> One of the projects I've been working on recently um, is porting my uh, uh, my board game to Tabletop Simulator so that it can be played virtually. No, nope. what is your board game for those at home who don't know? Um. Well, right now the working title is Sweep Hard Strategic Tabletop Curling. Uh, I'm also currently working on revisions, the latest revisions to the world. So that's that's the game. Uh, Designed completely from the ground up by me. It's a a curling simulator game. Requires no dexterity mechanics, meaning no stone because I can't stand that shit. <laughs> I want to pick my shot. I want to use my skills uh, and 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 other mechanics to deliver the shot that I want. So, so yes, putting that on the, uh, the tabletop simulator, like I said, so that it can be played completely virtually, uh, is, has been one, one of my projects. It's not bad. It's a decent learning. Most of the graphics and stuff were already there because I had put it up in Game Crafter, so it's available that way. Um, but yeah, it wasn't too bad. It's, it's not bad. Now I just got to find people who both have Tabletop Simulator and actually like curling. So I just want to see how many degrees of separation you can get from actually <laughs> curling. So it's already gone from curling to a board game about curling to curling to a board game about curling to a virtual board game about Virtual, curling. yes. I like it. I like it. 
Uh, where can they find that, Coxie? Shameless plug. Um. Well, they would have to. They would have to contact me on Facebook right now. Uh, uh, if if they if they if they look up on Facebook, sweep hard. Uh, strategic tabletop curling. They will find the Facebook. They can message me through there. So there you go. If you're sitting at home and thinking, "Man, I wish I was curling right," Scott has got you covered. I do. So, all right yeah. then, Julian. What have you discovered? Uh, I mean, you know Besides me. I kind of, yeah, but yeah, my my butthole mostly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Some really uh, weird Reddit's, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of weird Reddit's. Uh, a couple things. Um, number one being, uh, what is it called? The Broken Skull IPA by uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and oh, El Segundo yeah. Brewing. Uh, and I don't even like IPAs. It's kind of a mild IPA. I think it's like six percent alcohol, something like that. But it's in a, it's they're in pint cans. Um, it's the classic Broken Skull logo. Uh, I really got into it because Coron was like, "Hey, dude, they got the." <laughs> Stone Cold beer over at the Kroger that's by you. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll check it out. I don't like them, but I'll drink one of them. I ended up cracking that one open and then uh, took a drink and then chugged it and drank the other three right after. So uh, I didn't crush any on my forehead because I didn't want to waste it. But it's just like, again, I don't like IPAs. I, I mean, I fucking drink Bud Light seltzers most of the time. But there's something about that fucking beer. And I don't know if I'm just a mark for wrestling or what, but I fucking love that beer. It's delicious. I, I Normally, every time I go to Kroger, if they have three four packs i buy all three of them like i just i get every one that i can find i didn't buy one today because they only had one by itself and i wasn't going to buy a six pack to get one beer but uh it's awesome i love it i've been drinking the fuck out of it <laughs> it's been fantastic and then the other thing that i've discovered um which came out years ago and i'm sure you guys already know about it um but the comic book series called irredeemable um basically I've heard it's good i've not read it though yeah it's pretty good it starts off really strong um as with a lot of comics, it kind of struggles at the end, but um, it's actually really good. It, it's only 37 issues, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And it kind of, it dives you into this. The premise of it is this universe where there's all these superheroes and basically their Superman all of a sudden becomes the, the world's greatest superhero becomes the world's greatest supervillain. So he basically turns his back on all the other superheroes that he's working with and just starts killing people left and right. So it kind of delves into um, the rationale behind it, like what caused the change and uh, kind of the background stories all these characters have together. Um, some of it's tongue in cheek. Some of it's kind of lame, um, but there's, it's more, there's more good than there is bad. Um, and like I said, it's short. It's only 37 issues. So I think there's like 10 volumes. Like if you're looking for trades, um, but it's good. Yeah. I had a, it's a quick read. I read it in, you know, four or five days, I think just when I was taking a shit or at night before I'd go to bed and uh, <laughs> the illustrations are really good. And it, it, it really kind of, kind of like Superman red sun. It kind of turns the classic Superman story on its ear. And what if, you know, Superman was found by, I don't know, like the red skull or somebody, or what happens mm -hmm. if like the Superman finally got tired of, you know, uh, picking up everybody else's shit and finally was just like, fuck you. I'm tired of being your defender. What would happen? And this kind of takes that ball and runs with it. I've heard lots of good things about it over the years. Uh, there's a, um, I don't know if it's a sequel series, but there's a, a spinoff called incorruptible. Yeah. It's about, it's about his sidekick, I think. Right. No, it's his, it's one of his arch nemesis is okay, okay. damage. Yeah. It, one of his, the guy, so the what they you'll learn all about it like in the later like the last third of the series because it talks about you know 
the plutonian is the the character and he basically created max damage who is incorruptible and it talks okay. about he goes from being um a super villain to being a superhero so they're they're kind of the yin and the yang of each other so. okay what uh what is the plural on that nemesis 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 thank you katsi for the mystery men reference Anytime. Always good for a reference. I try. I love that movie. Oh. Uh, well, no surprise to anybody. The thing I discovered is a movie because um, that's what I do. Uh, but if you're looking for a really cool, suspenseful horror movie about crazy religious cults, check out Apostle on Netflix. It's from 2018. The basic premise is this guy's sister. Uh, has been kidnapped by a cult that lives on an island, and he's going in undercover to try to rescue her. Uh, it's set in the like turn of the century era, so it's not modern times. Um, and that's all I'm going to say because it gets crazy pretty quick, uh, but it delivers a really good sort of mystery thriller horror movie with some cool creature effects and some gore. Uh, really good. Apostle, not to be confused with, the apostle drop the v just apostle uh check it out so, so they they left the island and came to the mainland specifically to kidnap this girl uh i don't want to say much okay that's uh no, just uh, that's that's your basic your setup is he's he's going undercover uh to try to rescue his sister um cuz he's received a ransom note for her it, it 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 starts there and it really just kind of drops you in the middle of this story and you have to you know keep up. Uh, you don't even learn a whole lot about the main character until sort of later in the movie. But it's a really great uh, mystery thriller horror movie. Uh, right. it, it unfolds before you very naturally. It, it'll show you things and you're like, "What the fuck was that?" And then slowly it will reveal to you what the fuck that was. It's, it's really well done. Oh fuck! Michael Sheen's in it. Yeah, oh, he's he's the cult leader. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah, I'll watch anything with him. Like, Frost v. Nixon was amazing because he's yeah. in it. And he was the only good love. part of Tron, so. <laughs> yeah, he's the cult leader. He's fantastic. Perfect. Yeah, Prodigal Son is amazing. It's a shitty TV show, but it's an amazing show because he's in it, so. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, Julian. Uh, or, sorry, Cox, anything else? Uh, the only other things that I've been doing is uh, I, I have been well, like Julian, I've been doing some, some reading comics and books and everything. I've been reading the um, uh, the prequel novel to the Picard series, uh, which details the actual events that that lead up to, I guess the without giving away too much, the catalyst event uh, that Picard is built off of as far as its narrative. Um, so bridges the gap between the end of uh, next gen and the start of the series. No, it bridges no? the gap. No, it bridges the gap between the end of Nemesis. Okay, and uh, the start of the series. Because keep in mind, Nemesis is uh, Nemesis. Nemesis is no, 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 no not <laughs> plural of Nemesis. We no, just no, had no. this talk. <laughs> no, 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 not plural of Nemesis. No, Nemesis space <laughs> is. Uh, something like uh, nine nine years after uh, next gen ends, or, or some shit. Actually, look at dates again. But I've been reading that. That's actually a really good. 
Uh, awesome. I've uh, got several graphic novels, one of which is Spider-Man R that I'm, I'm reading. Um, How's that? It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very interesting. Apparently, it uh, Spider-Man War when it came out, it was a four-issue story, and it was that was self-contained. Yeah. And then they did a second four-issue story, and uh, I've got I've got a cat fight going on in the background. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, so I just now started the second. Uh, one thing I'm not keen on is uh, Spidey carries a gun quite a bit of the first you know, bit of the story. I mean, I get that it's the 1920s and we're in the Great Depression. Eh. Um, and so far, I haven't seen him web swing. He just kind of walks around on the rooftops and jumps a lot. Yeah, haven't you seen him in the Spider-Verse? I'm sorry. Have you seen Into the Spider Verse? Oh yeah, that's that's what that's that's what okay. I found out about Spider Man. Okay. So if you've been yeah. whenever you've been reading it, do you just hear Nicolas Cage like his voice? I was going to ask. Uh, somewhat, yes. But I didn't know it was Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think in the what was it, the Shattered Universe game? I think you get to play as Spider Man Noir as well. Sounds about right. Really? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, a lot of reading. Lots Hell yeah! Oh, and uh, I just got another. I just got another book in uh, today. That's uh, the original novel that the movie Mash was based off of, uh, and then, of course, ultimately the series, uh, written by the, the surgeon that uh, he based the character of Hawkeye Pierce off of himself. So, looking for diving into that. Nice. He actually was a surgeon at the 8055 in Korea. So. You mean that wasn't Vietnam? Sorry. It was no. not Vietnam. <laughs> uh, jokes for two. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's good to go back and get that source material, get that uh, that, that, that prime uh, spring point to the thing you love. It's always, always fun to go back. Um, Julian, you ready? Yeah, uh, some other stuff I've been doing. Uh, I watched the first season, well, what I assume will be the first, it may be the only season of The Outsiders. Um, for those of you that have seen it, it's pretty awesome. It's kind of like a mashup mystery horror um, towards the end. It's it's more of a suspense thriller. It's not really horror. It's got horror-esque elements to it. Um, and the only drawback is that it was written by Stephen King, who's a giant fucking douchebag. But um, the series <laughs> itself... Is actually pretty good. Um, it's set in Tennessee and Georgia, uh, and it's really funny that two of the brothers that are from Tennessee um, that have thick Southern accents are actually Scottish in real life. So I thought wow. that was funny, and uh, it's got a bunch of good name actors. Like uh, fuck, I had it pulled up and I dropped it. Hang on, just one second. Um, it's fucking nuts. Um, he's only in like one episode of it. He's in like the first one. What the fuck is his name? I'm I haven't had enough beer today. Ben Mendelsohn's one of the main characters. She probably is the main character. He's awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mayor Winningham. She's awesome. Everything she's ever been in has been fantastic. Uh, and then what's the fucking dude from 
Uh, my mom's just drawing a blank. What the fuck? Why can't I think of his name? <laughs> because you're on air now and your brain has turned to jelly. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> it happens. It. Yeah, before we hit record, you were fine. It happens yeah, exactly. All the time. God damn it. Jason Bateman. There <laughs> we go. Um, there you go. Okay. Yeah, he actually uh, directed the first, the pilot episode or the initial episode, whatever it is. I don't know if it was, it probably just got taken straight to series, but it, it's a really interesting take on like um, mistaken identity and small town murder and how cops and the DA and lawyers and all this can play all this shit up and um, the good and the bad that can come from that. So um, what's her name? The, the black chick that's in it. Um, she plays like she's on the spectrum. She's like a private investigator. Her name's Cynthia Erivo or whatever. I guess she was that chick in uh, what's she was on some TV show. I don't know what it was fucking called. Genius, I guess maybe. No, that was Aretha Franklin. I don't know. She's in some show I don't know. Um, that I recognize. She's actually super talented. Um, she made you really care about the character. Um, she's she's actually in bad really times good. Oh, right now. Oh, there you go. That's right. She's the singer in Bad Times. Yep, that's what it was. <laughs> Yep, yep. Great she's movie. fucking awesome though. Yeah, she's super talented. She she made you care about the autistic character. It was pretty cool, man. I like that show a lot. I hate Stephen King um because he literally is just <laughs> he's insane. He's got Trump derangement syndrome. But uh <laughs> it was awesome. Hey it's man, show. this show was built on the platform of Stephen King sucks. So you're you're in good company, man. Yeah, I fit right in, so <laughs> Um, and Longmire, okay. long, long. I finally got around to Longmire. That's ah. the other thing I was going to talk about. Longmire is great. Um, you'll. It ended what in 2016, 2017, something like that. But it's got a bunch of like really good character actors. If you watch it, you'll recognize a bunch of people. Um, and it's just it's well done. It's a fucking modern day western set out in Wyoming where I plan to retire one day. So um, <laughs> it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I've seen the first two seasons. Got shit about it. It's 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 a good series. Yeah. Um, it was a big departure for Kara uh, uh, <laughs> Thrace, and I can't remember her real name. Katie Stackoff. Thank Katie Stackoff. Yeah, yeah. Coming off coming off of Battlestar Galactica to do Longmire, so yeah, it took me a minute to get to get into her in this role. <laughs> yeah, stop, she gets stop seeing Starbuck every time she's on. Exactly. Yeah. She gets on my fucking nerves. Um, she's got some redeeming moments, but um, she, yeah, she at least isn't playing like the uh, bipolar psychopath that Starbucks ended up being. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. But, but she was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, you're expecting her to be Starbucks, and she's not Starbucks. And you, you, you kind of love and hate her for that too. It's like you're exactly. not acting right. Yeah, like <laughs> you're not doing it right. right. <laughs> Start punching people, but uh, okay, so, it's got so like okay, I said, it's got a lot of really good shoot. actors that you'll recognize. So, um, Lou Diamond Phillips is in it. Uh, the guy that played Poe in Altered Carbon is in an episode. Um, oh, okay. The dude A Martinez. I want to say he was on like Days of Our Lives or something for years. And I remember growing up, my grandma used to watch it all the time, and I would see him, and I was like, "What the fuck is he doing?" I thought he was Mexican, but. Uh, he, he plays like a pseudo bad guy who you're not really sure if he's actually bad or not. Um, and it's actually, like I said, man, it's actually a really good show. I've enjoyed it a lot. I'm I've gotten mad at it a lot because say what? So I'm going to piggyback off you real quick. Uh, if you haven't watched altered carbon, you should. And I'm mad at myself for waiting this long to do it. I finally finished season one and holy shit. That was a, it's like blade runner meets i don't know some kung fu movie uh like 
it's this great neo-noir detective story in a really cool future sci-fi setting with lots of boobies and uh, guns and in ai and it's, oh, it's awesome i love it um getting a half chub just thinking about it right now but uh yeah if, if you love any of those things um you need to watch altered carbon i haven't watched season two yet i haven't watched the anime movie that i think is between season one and two uh but i plan unslaved or whatever yeah 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 if you love the first season that much don't watch the second season because <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong like it, it was okay but i mean the first season is just so much better so good i like it yeah it's so fucking good are you ready to talk about the thing that everyone's talking about julian uh, i've been waiting all day okay here we go i'm teeing it up for you the thing we've all discovered while stuck in quarantine julian's new favorite hero joe fucking exotic god damn i didn't John, know I believe it's his legal middle name actually is joe fucking exotic I think so. Uh, I mean, God damn. I did not know that a show about tigers, gay dudes, meth, and murder would be the take the world by storm. And I don't know. I don't even know that it's only because we're in quarantine and everybody's at the home at their house, like just destroying the Netflix servers. But I think that even if this had come out, you know, last year, this would still be the phenomenon that it is because it's literally about <laughs> a guy named Joe Exotic who owns a zoo. And I don't know why I'm explaining it because everybody in the world has already seen it twice. But for Scott, who I'm guessing hasn't seen it. I've seen three episodes. Okay. Well then, you know, so everybody else knows Joe exotic for all, (laughs) for all his quirks and uh, idiosyncrasies is a gay, prolifically gay uh, zoo owner uh, that, uh, specializes in big cats and there's like this weird niche of them around the country and they all love each other and they hate each other and there's rivalries and they're all insane. Um, and it's the trashiest thing I've ever seen. And I've never loved uh, m- people with meth mouth more than I do. these people. Like I remember a long time ago, you know, like the wild and wonderful whites, like Jessica white, the dancing outlaw yeah. and all that stuff, you know, that was, that was everybody's favorite redneck and all that shit. And then, you know, you had all this, some other stuff come out, but, honey boo boo and all that bullshit but then this this is if florida was a person it'd be joe exotic and and he lives in oklahoma that's what fucking kills me like well you know why because carol fucking baskin lives in florida yeah carol fucking baskin lives in tampa and it just it cracks me up that she hates joe for putting tigers in cages when the big cat rescue is nothing but wait for it tigers in fucking cages so, Carol Baskin, you're I'll a f- fucking bitch, and uh, <laughs> you killed your, you fed your husband to that fucking tiger. <laughs> I'll say this: uh, I remember when I finally watched. <laughs> There's your third clue. Uh, yep. When I finally watched uh, "Making a Murderer," uh, I was texting back and forth with Flanagan while I was watching it, and it, it, that was the first Netflix show that legitimately, at the end of every episode, I was like, "Well." fuck i gotta i gotta keep watching like they would they were so great at how they crafted that story episode to episode uh to keep you hooked in and every time you thought it could not get any stranger or any more bizarre or hook you in it found a way to um season two not so much but season one fantastic i remember thinking at the time 
this is phenomenal and they're never going to find a way to top this. Like, you can't recreate this kind of magic in a bottle. The story is just too great because it's all real. And then fucking Tiger King <laughs> happened. And I'm like, wow, okay, Netflix. <laughs> Hat off to you. You found a way to tie. Because and not not only like does every episode top itself, every episode, you know, builds on what came before, but every time you think this can't get any more fucking crazy, <laughs> they drop a bomb on you, like, oh, and in the next episode we'll talk about when Joe Exotic ran for president. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> And this next episode, we'll talk about how Carol killed her husband. What? Like every time you think, okay, that's that's we're we're we've hit peak uh, apex craziness. We can only come downhill from here. No, they find a way to ratchet it up again, and it's it's so uh, just intensely bingeable uh, to use Netflix's own wording. It just it's the show. Once you start it, it's like a can of Pringles, man. You can't stop. You just got to keep riding. Like, oh my god! Like every every moment uh, or every episode finds some moment to just be like that okay no that's that's now the craziest thing i've ever seen and even shit like uh the, the spoiler the informant uh guy at the end is like there's a full like three minute scene of him just riding on his jet ski i'm like this is the dumbest stupidest craziest thing ever and i can't look away and i love that he's become a meme now he's he's the meme of uh as soon as i get that trump money <laughs> Just that, this giant, like, 400-pound guy on a jet ski. Yeah, what's the other one? It's like, uh, don't come back here with that bullshit or something, and it says me coming back around on my bullshit, <laughs> and he's just cruising along on the jet ski, dude. Yeah, man. Oh. It's just the worst people in the world, like Jeff Lowe and that guy. It's just <laughs> – I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. Doc like, Antel. They, yeah, they're they're all fucking cult leaders in their yeah. own way. <laughs> Bhagavan Doc Antel. Like, yeah. yeah, they're all they're all like damaged. They're all drug addicts. They're all criminals, and like none of them are good people. Like none of not a single person in that show, except maybe for the guy who ran the campaign and saw Travis kill himself. Like other than that guy, who's still kind of fucking weird, who evidently got arrested for stabbing his uncle with a samurai sword. What? Um, yeah, like evidently his <laughs> uncle got all methed out and attacked his grandmother, and the guy defended his grandmother with a samurai sword. This and, show uh, is the gift that keeps on. You can ask Woody. I've spent the last three days watching stuff about Tiger King, like yeah. other documentaries about Zo- Joe Exotic, and articles and interviews with people. Like I was like, okay, that's it. I, I, I've I have I have tapped this well dry. And then Julian just delivered that nugget to me. Thank you, Julian. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it the, did wow. they ever drop the next episode? They were supposed to drop like an eighth episode. Did it ever drop? Okay. So, no, here's here's the thing. That was uh, uh, Jeff Lowe uh, talked about, yeah, they came back and reshot some stuff. There'll be another episode. Netflix has not announced anything about another episode. That's just Jeff Lowe running his mouth. Oh, okay. So, I, I have no doubt at some point we'll see more because they shot five years worth of footage to make this documentary. So yeah, Shit. there's more. Yeah, uh, there's, there's something like more thirty thousand hours of footage. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have no doubt Netflix has already put a team of editors together to put together more Tiger, uh, Tiger King shit. Uh, when we'll see it, I don't know. Hopefully, they don't take as as long as um, for season two of uh, Making Murder, but I'm sure there'll be more. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, just if you look at the purely cultural impact of this show, like personally, I own two t-shirts and a pair of socks <laughs> that have Joe exotic and tigers on them. And we're already landing like your Halloween time. costume. 
Oh, I am absolutely being <laughs> Joe Exotic for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm being hell I'm being Joe Exotic. Whitney's being Carol Baskins. And like <laughs> you ought to be Doc Antle, honestly. That would be fucking uh, fantastic. And then right, Scott, you could be the asshole way. with the jet ski. Like Lily, all you gotta oh, do is yes. like you could just wear sunglasses and a vest, like a like a life preserver, and just like walk around. And like, vest. Yeah, that's all you need. Literally, that's get it. your hair permanently wet. Like, yeah, that's all you need. Slick it back, and yeah, sunglasses it. and a and like a life preserver, and we could do the fucking Joe Exotic or Tiger King thing. Oh god, wow. it's you know when I was watching this, I, because once it becomes popular, and it's the only thing I see on my net or my uh, Facebook feed, uh, I get turned off to stuff real quick. Uh, I just, I don't like it when things go, you know, viral. It upsets me. Um, so I was late to the party, and I finally decided, all right, let's watch three of it. And the only thing I can think every time I'm watching this is these are people who have had no training, no qualifications <laughs> at all. And... And literally, these people's lives are in their hands. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when they're going to these these, I I do not even deign to to legitimize them by calling them zoos. I'm not going to call them that. Fucking backyards with cages. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Is all it is, and it's just I was like I was I was stunned. I did not make it past season there episode three. I don't know if I will make it past episode three or not. Dude, you've got we to just have to let it stew there, and digest. There's no turning Before back. I, you got to write it out, Scott. You got four yeah. more to go, man. <laughs> but yeah, like you're saying, uh, no, like, like none, of, none yeah, of the guys. Up. Yeah. Go none ahead. of them are actually like veterinarians or uh, yeah. zoologists or anything, biologists, anything. Yeah. Marine conservationists, anything. They're just assholes. Who somehow got a got a hold of a cat one time, and they're like, "Oh, this is awesome! I want to raise more of them." Hires homeless people off the street. Yes, yeah. Yes. Like half his staff, like I walked in one day because they said they had a bear, and I ended up working here for eight years. Like that's, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah and, and Carol keeps like, if you listen to the the segment when they're talking about her cult, which is nicely color coded. Uh, yes. all it is a very well color coded. Uh, you listen to them; they keep saying we're the only accredited zoo, and I'm like, accredited by who? <laughs> they never mentioned that part online. Just like I'm a minister, I got it online. It's fine. I got ordained <laughs> online. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster is a real thing, Julian, and I don't believe those the zoo accreditations are a real thing. I don't think they are either. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Damn. Like the most Yeah, keep watching Coxie. Trust me. Yeah, like the most I'll the see only if I guy can stick with the only guy that I trust with like one of those animals says he's a doctor of the mystical sciences. Like what the <laughs> fuck is he even talking about? Like the drug lord? <laughs> yes, the drug lord yes, when... and then Doc Annal are the only two guys that's and the drug lord was just like I like big cats. And then Doc Annal who's not really a doctor. When the most rational clear-headed person in the entire documentary is and i'm not making this up the basis for tony montana from scarface that should tell you all you need to know about these people wow yeah God damn i mean he's the most well-adjusted guy we're spoiling for you now yeah the most well-adjusted <laughs> guy spent 20 like 12 years in prison for drug trafficking yeah smuggling cocaine and money in suitcases 
and in some case inside snakes, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I, I do remember they, they did talk about that a little bit in episode whichever one. but It, it all blurs it, together it, to me at this point. Yeah. I do remember them discussing that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, so. What's Doc can't tell a doctor of? Oh, mystical science. That's not a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> mystical science. Yeah, oh God, I almost pissed myself when I because my girlfriend kept telling me she's like, "You need to watch this show. We've got to watch this. Look how crazy this looks." I'm like, "This looks fucking stupid." You know, like I, I've heard about these people all my life. They look like carnies, like. I get, you know, people talk shit about me being a redneck from Eastern Kentucky, and I'm like, that's bad enough. Like, I don't need to hear about these Florida and Georgia fucks. Oh, god damn. I'm so glad I did. If I ever get a neck tattoo, it's going to say, like, <laughs> my husband, Dylan, whatever his name is, just like Joe Exotics. You know? It's just fucking fantastic. The cover-up tattoo that doesn't cover up the tattoo. Yeah, like, why didn't the tattoo artist be like, you know, I can add some smoke or something around this to kind of cover those last parts up. And The only thing I can think of is, okay, that must not be done yet. Yeah, that's got to be like session Uh, one, hopefully. But that's the crazy thing. Like, John, poor John Finley, he seems like he's a a, a okay dude. And And Saf. Yeah, and Saf, like, she just wanted to help animals and Ranky and the other guy. Like, they just wanted to help animals, you know, and do all their stuff. They seemed like okay people, you know. I mean, they're they're trashy fucking rednecks who live in Oklahoma, but uh, they seem like generally, like, good-natured people. And then you got, like, scumbags like Joe and uh, Jeff Lowe and Doc Annell. Like, it's just it's yeah. unfucking believable uh, Like, the charisma these people have, the effect yeah. they have on other people's lives, how they can basically kind of become famous – and uh, it's just what's crazy is this guy I work with has actually been to Doc Annals like uh, Myrtle Beach Safari, and he has also been to fucking cunt bitch Carol Baskin's Big Cat Rescue. He's been to both of them, and he had a picture with a fucking tiger to prove it. God damn! So my question, s- Julian, is how many pairs of uh, Joe Exotic underwear do you have on? Uh, none. I'm like Joe Exotic. I'm Commando right now. <laughs> free balling it yeah because he even says that because he was talking about how he sells he like does. tiger print thongs and he's like i don't, I don't wear any i'm free balling oh yeah. scott you got to keep watching because there's an episode he talked about a uh, prince albert you got to keep watching man oh god <laughs> yeah god i did hear that uh since the uh since the documentary has aired uh and uh become as popular it is that uh shack is backpedaling quite a bit yeah, because he yeah. does appear in 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 an episode when he visited uh, Joe Exotics and apparently and, bought a cat from him. Didn't yeah, he? he admits to buying yeah. two tigers. Yeah, yeah. and then and so Joe gave him one. Yeah. He's uh, he's backpedaling now, saying, "No, no, no, not not friends, with Joe Exotic. I am not friends." What the Which, fuck? Stop uh, being a pussy, Shack. Yeah, Steer into the skin, Shack. Just yeah. own it. Own it. Just be like, man, I didn't know. I didn't know he tried to kill that bitch. He had some cool tigers. <laughs> fuck off i didn't fuck him uh, but i got a tiger from him who cares <laughs> so if you're like me and julian and you just can't get enough i have to recommend um there's a podcast called tiger king colon sorry, sorry, sorry joe exotic colon tiger king uh you can find it on wondry is the, the main site but i'm pretty sure it's everywhere um it was produced at the same time they were shooting the documentary and the first episode aired the same day the documentary started airing 
I think they're up to six episodes now. But a lot of the information stuff you already know, but there's plenty of information and details that the documentary doesn't have that's in the podcast. So if you just can't get enough, uh, like if you were sitting there like me wondering, why is Joe Exotic wearing a giant leather choker with a bullet hanging on it? There's a story behind that bullet, and it's as fucked up as you think it is. Uh, check out the podcast to find out. Okay. Does it talk about what happened to Joe's leg and why he's always wearing that fucking knee brace? Yes. Okay, I'm downloading yes, like every single episode right yeah. now. <laughs> Joe Exotic, <laughs> Tiger King on Wondery. Uh, or I'm, it's on everything you find podcasts on now. Uh, but there's five episodes out as of today. There's a few bonus episodes, uh, like extended interviews with people and whatnot. But it's it's a great like supplemental um, to if you've watched the Netflix and you're just like, I got to know more. Check this out. Yeah, Fun. this is amazing. I cannot wait. <laughs> I've been listening to and from work the last few days. It's pretty good. Fun. <sighs> okay. That's amazing. I but, know we could talk about it all day, but. Um, one other thing. On this, yes. Along the same thread. Yes. Uh, things that we're watching uh, while in this whole quarantine thing. Something I've been wanting to give a try to for a while. Just never had time. Anal. Ass like that. <laughs> Oh, no, no. And <laughs> I've been doing that for years. Uh, no, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cover this real quick. Cause I'm only, I'm only like three episodes in, so I don't okay. know a lot yet. Um, but since, since our, uh, our grit is not here to bring this up and he loves to bring it up, I'm going to bring it up for him because I am a fan of things. Observed. I have started twin peaks. Why? Because, like I said, I am two reasons. One, I do like things that absurd. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, I don't know if I'll be an Uber fan like Grant is, but I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see where it goes. And two, a couple of years ago when I was down in Texas uh, at, a, at a, one of our company's facilities down there, I was browsing through the TV in the hotel room, and I came across something that was just, just caught my attention and fuck am I watching I don't know what this is but I'm loving it and it, it, it turned out and I watched the basically the second half of an episode in the middle of the return series or the return season whichever you call it okay so I decided to give this a try first of all it is very 90s yep extremely 90s um, second the first act of the first episode is horrendous. Oh God, it is bad. It is it is bad acting, and it, it's it's like a it's like a fan film. It's like a bad fan film of something that never existed. Is how bad it is. And I was really I was close to giving up. And then you get that 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 I don't know if you would call it main character, the face of Twin Peaks, but you get that FBI agent uh, Cooper. Uh, uh-huh. He comes in and he's very charismatic, and that actor has great screen presence. And 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 he, his character, draws me in. And I kind of the scene that solidified me into watching it was there's 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 a there's a hotel in it that uh, somebody's trying to buy on the cheap and everything, and he's brought in these these Norwegian investors and going to turn it into a resort thing. Well, somebody lets it slip to the Norwegian investors that 
the dead body found and kind of plays it up a bit and scares them. And the next scene is all of their bags leaving and the lady at the, 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 the front desk is ringing the bell and, and she's declaring the Norwegians are leaving. The Norwegians are leaving. I loved it. Hey, hey, look, I'm just going to say this to you, okay? As a guy who watched all of season one. Yes. Find pleasure in the little moments like ringing the bell. Yeah. And I hope you really enjoy questions that never get answered. I've heard that. Because that's all that that. show is. Yeah, Uh, All the great mystery that it builds up, it's not going to answer any of that for you. And and three seasons and at least one movie, it's not going to answer a goddamn question. (laughs) Well... Once again, I like the absurd, and uh, uh, I figured I would give it a shot since we're in quarantine, and I'm looking for stuff to watch and things, and apparently uh, the only other alternative is uh, Tiger King. So, Which is the be... greatest documentary ever made. <laughs> yeah, you'd be better off but, watching Tiger King. I don't know, Twin Peaks is poorly, one of... sir. I mean, mm-hmm. Twin Peaks is one of those shows that's like, I watched, what was it, Mulholland Drive? And I was yeah. like, this is weird enough. And I was just like, I'm not, like, I, people kept talking about Twin Peaks. And, oh, it's so great. And it's a mind fuck and all this other shit. And it, it's kind of in the same vein as The Godfather to me. Like, <clears throat> I've never seen oh. it. And I don't care that I ever will. You've never just, seen The Godfather? No, I don't, I'm like Peter Griffin. It just, it, sit, it insists upon itself. And I just, I have no <laughs> desire ever to see it. Uh, I've see, seen bits see, of that. I've seen bits and pieces and I know enough to be dangerous, but it and twin peaks. Like I understand the references when people make them, but I don't give a fuck. Like I'll, I'll, I almost make it a point to never watch them. Well, now, like I said, when stuff goes viral for me, I kind of turn off to it so I can understand you. And I can understand that with twin peaks. Personally, I, I disagree with you that the Godfather insists upon itself. Um, uh, I, I, th- I think over, over time it has taken, uh, a life probably more than it really should deserve, but I love The Godfather. It's, well, it's I'm going to cut this discussion off right <laughs> now because our topic, or one topic for next week, next week let me try that again, take two. I'm going to cut this off because right now I'm declaring a topic for next week will be uh, most overrated movies. Ah. Perfect. Alright, cool. You know what mine is. All right, Boom. We'll, uh, <laughs> Spoiler, we'll, we'll, we'll table this till next week. Yes, Fair enough. hold that uh, that thought. Uh, and we're going to move on to our last topic today. So this isn't too much of a bear for me to edit later. <clears throat> Pussy. Since we're all stuck in quarantine. <laughs> yes. Uh, a lot of movies that deal with, I don't know, the end times have become popular and trending right now. So with that in mind, I thought it might be nice to go into what post-apocalyptic world would you want to live in? And we're all going to give you our, our worlds we've chosen and why we chose them and uh, who wants to start. I agree. Uh, I mean, I can start. Um, Go for it, Julian. Whenever I think of post-apocalyptic worlds, you know, they always talk about, you know, like, or I guess the worst one that comes to mind would be Waterworld, and I'm not a great swimmer, so fuck that. Fuck <laughs> Kevin Costner. Um, I was actually going to pitch Waterworld. <laughs> Were you really I'll come back Damn, to that? Okay, sort of. No, so, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. So, I, I grew up loving uh, post-apocalyptic movies and uh, one series specifically. So, I love 
Mel Gibson and the Mad Max series, and I especially love Mad Max Fury Road. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so I guess if I had to pick a post-apocalyptic world with uh, muscle cars and uh, giant retards and uh, Master Blaster running Barter Town and <laughs> Tina Turner and like little kids throwing boomerangs that cut people's heads off and like a giant mutant with a Jason Voorhees mask um, and just like a Chevy Nova and uh, everything else. Like, <laughs> if all right, give me guns, give me fast cars, give me mutants. Um, I'm definitely rocking it Mad Max style because I, I can – those are just the things I love now, so I don't know why I wouldn't yeah. love them in the apocalypse. That's my quick down and dirty Get pick yourself, is definitely uh, Mad Max. A beat up leather jacket and one football pad shoulder and a leg brace <laughs> yeah. and you're good to go. A sawed off shotgun and like a weird streak in my hair. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to fuck shit up. Let's go. <laughs> uh, no, that's it, it's it's hard to top Mad Max because I mean, really that is it's not the first post apocalypse apocalyptic movie but it is certainly the one that kind of made that like mainstream when that movie hit and yeah. uh people saw how much money you could make off of that it, it spawned so many copycats uh so many copycats uh, that it did so it's hard to top that uh no i was going to honestly i was honestly going to pitch water world <laughs> and then i sat down and started thinking about it like no that world's fucking terrible no matter how you slice it like <laughs> First of all, that world can't exist. I think Scott and I talked about this, but if the yeah. world's covered in water, where does the air come from? Well, <laughs> the one well, fucking island that used to be the the, is it the Himalayas. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that, that doesn't add up. Well, I mean, the, you know, the one shot where he goes down into New York, right? Is it New York? Is that it's city? Some city goes, yeah. Uh, yeah, a city, and he is like the surface of that water is in like. The troposphere or some shit. It, it's it's like what? How much gravity is even holding that water in place now? Yeah, yeah. All, so even with that, all I, I was willing to set the nerdy uh, nitpicking aside and just look at like the world as presented to us. No, still, I hate seafood. Um, <laughs> I'm too lazy to sail a boat. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna last long as a smoker because you know I'm allergic to cigarette smoke. Yeah, uh, where are they getting it, their tobacco? Clearly, they found all those cigarettes on the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> that somehow still had oil left in it that then got refined into pure gasoline. And the world doesn't make sense. So I was going to honestly pitch Waterworld, but I can't. Because that movie just, you have, that movie requires you to check your brain at the door and just watch and have a good time. Because I love that movie. Uh, but I can't, I cannot uh, wholeheartedly pitch Waterworld as the apocalypse I want to live in. So. I'm with you, Julian. I can't quite do it. I wanted to, but I couldn't. Good, good, yeah, good. And I, I think I may know where you're going with your next pick, and I'm probably I, I'm a little ashamed of myself that I didn't well, go with it, but I just couldn't bypass Mad Max. No, dude. Again, it's hard. A lot of the ones we'll probably be talking either spawn from, like you know, they were inspired by, or they were done. You know, like Waterworld is just the opposite of Mad Max. Literally, it's, it's Mad Max, but the polar opposite. What's the opposite of a desert wasteland? Uh, there's water everywhere. Okay. Uh, hot rods. Uh, he's got a tricked out catamaran. Cool. <laughs> you know, like, that catamaran was actually pretty. It's badass. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, turns your, your piss into drinking water. It's awesome. <laughs> Very Grills does that too. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier when he does it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll jump in. Then. So mine is actually not a movie. <clears throat> 
Spoiler, I know, crazy. Uh, But it does have a lot of similar elements from Julian uh, because it was very heavily inspired by the world of Mad Max. It has mutants and guns and I forget what the third thing he said was. Um, Hot rods. Yeah, there you go. They got, eh, Kate doesn't quite have vehicles, but it has badass mech suits. Uh, I'm talking about the world of Fallout, uh, specifically Fallout 4. Um, Look, it's a post-apocalyptic world in which we still have Vegas. So Julian's in already. You're goddamn right. Uh, but it's got all the things you love. It's got uh, crazy tricked out futuristic weapons, mech suits, militias, mutants, vampires, just enough of a civilization that you can still get shit done. Like there's still a commonly recognized currency in bottle caps. Why not? Why not? <laughs> uh, and, and the entire game has this. Amazing. Uh, it spawned um, everyone's sort of steampunk. Uh, the Fallout games introduced the world to diesel punk, which is the same thing as steampunk, which is look at all the cool gadgets we have now and imagine them as if they were steam powered. Diesel punk is look at all the cool shit we have now. <clears throat> imagine what it would look like if you made it with 1950s technology. So it's all still got that like leather jacket, slick back pompadour, uh, 1950s greaser kind of feel vibe to it. The music is very 1950s, um, but it's got all the cool futuristic shit you love about it. Uh, I think that's all I had for what to talk about. But yeah, the, the the world of the game is firmly tongue in cheek. It never takes itself too seriously. It's just fun to play in. It's 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 one of those great sandbox games where yeah, there's kind of a central story, but you can basically fuck off and do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be. Um, you can change up your stats and be a completely different kind of character every time you play through it. Um, tons of great stuff to keep coming back to. It. Was 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 four the one where you got to uh, wall off and build up your town? Yes. Yeah, that, that's the only one that I played. <clears throat> It's I fantastic. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't play all the way through it. Exactly. I did not play New Vegas, um, but I, I've heard it's good. I've heard a lot of people say that's <laughs> the best one in the series. I haven't played it though. Uh, but again, it's all in the same world, just different. Uh, every Fallout three, four, New Vegas, and seventy six, the last one, they're all in the same world, just like yeah. different cities in the world. So yeah, you, your character comes out of different vaults. Yes. Right? So yeah. yeah, the whole vault storyline is awesome. Uh, that they were all just different experiments in each vault. Uh, but no, Fallout is is a really well-done world-building post-apocalypse. But again, it's sort of like a greatest hits apocalypse. Like, what's the coolest thing for whatever apocalyptic movie or uh, franchise you can think of? It's somewhere. And there's even a uh, mission in, I think, the third game um, where you can you can find a dog named Dog Meat, which is directly stolen from Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Like, they they know where they're getting their inspiration from, and they're not afraid to hide it. It's just, it's super fun. So there's my the the apocalypse I want to live in is Fallout. Wow. Okay. Uh, I I think I think I went complete departure from both of you. All. Yes, good. Because of course, I mean, you know, you, you think I mean, you can't help but think Mad Max and and such when you think post apocalyptic. You think, oh, that's so cool and stuff, but then I got to thinking, I don't want to fucking. That's horrible. <laughs> I, I would, I would die quickly. I don't, I don't. Want I to would do sunburn that. way too quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would, it would not be good. Uh, so, mine, uh, one, well, one of the 
post-apocalyptic world that I would really, really love to live in. And I don't even know if you can technically consider it post-apocalyptic, but I'm going to put it here anyway. Is Wally? Because oh you. yeah, you're on, a, you're on a spaceship. You got a hover couch. You can watch TV all damn day. You got robots <laughs> doing shit for you. I mean, this is just an awesome post-apocalyptic world. I think you missed the point of Wally Scott. <laughs> 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 Why the fuck would you go back to Earth? Shit, this is great. I love you, guys. <laughs> you know? I mean, think about it. It's all the best stuff with all the shitty stuff left behind. It's great. Nobody works. You want to owe you want to owe your entire existence to uh, a, a Walmart like company? I do it large? already. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, shit. You know, no, I would got... definitely consider that post-apocalypse. The world's dead. Yeah, the world's dead. You know, just uh, float around on your hover couch, watch some good TV. You know, um, you got VR. I know they've got VR. They have to have VR technology. They got VR technology now. So, you know, I mean, it sounds it sounds wonderful. It's awesome. <laughs> so that, no, that was I, yeah. Thank you, Cox, for taking a totally different route with this. I appreciate that. Ah. I really do. Good times. Uh, honorable mention to, uh, if you've never seen it, Kevin Costner's other post-apocalyptic movie, because uh, apparently he didn't learn his lesson with Waterworld. <laughs> the, Post- the Postman uh, is, uh, it's a long, it's like three freaking hours long. But I've never seen that. I think you would really enjoy it, Cox. It's uh a nondescript war, I think, has happened, and the world isn't totally destroyed, but basically there's camps and cities that still kind of exist, but there's no centralized government at all. There's one giant gang that calls itself the Army of Eight that kind of rolls through city to city, taking people to recruit and resources and stuff like that. Um, An Army of Eight does not sound like Well, there's more than them, but they call themselves oh. the Army of Eight for reasons I forget. Um, but... Kevin Costner plays a a wanderer who literally stumbles upon a a uh, postal service delivery vehicle, steals a corpse's uh, uniform because he's cold and it fits him, and then uses that to con his way into the next town he comes across by completely bullshitting that no 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 the United States of America is back up and running again and I'm a representative of it and like they start asking him questions about it and he's just like he's he's a total piece of shit con man. But through the course of the movie, he ends up leading this giant revolt and all this kind of shit. But uh, um, literally, right. they ask him, like, yeah, where's the capital? Uh, uh, Minnesota? <laughs> yeah, the the, <laughs> the, uh, the White House is now set up in the Metrodome, you know, where the Vikings used to play. Like, that's literally, that's his answer. <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, but he, through through just being a complete command, trying to, you know, look out for himself, ends up uh, inspiring sort of this government to kind of reform and it has a giant climactic battle between I'm not making this up the army of eight and the fucking postal service. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, again, nice. it's, it's, it's a bit long, um, but I really liked it. It was, I thought it was more of a, a not as batshit crazy as Mad Max. Uh, it's a little more grounded uh, apocalypse kind of thing. And it's more about uh, society than it is about science fiction. But again, Coxie, yeah, I think you would enjoy it. Um, uh, I just don't know why. Literally, it was the first thing Kevin Costner did after Waterworld was another post-apocalyptic movie that's three hours long that tanked. Yeah. 
It did. I do remember that. I remember it. Yeah. But check it out. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> one other that uh, that popped into my head, and uh, this one is more in the vein of a traditional post-apocalyptic, was, was Dread. Judge Dread. But only if I get to be a street judge. Dread or Judge Dread? No, no, no. Dread. With Carl Urban? Yes. There Bucking you go. Egg. Yeah, yeah. Much better. Yeah. I was about to get pissed if you said... What was it? The Judge Dredd was uh, Stallone. And, Stallone. Yeah, and, and Rob Schneider and the, what were the weird cannibals? The Angel Brothers or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. I am Delure. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dredd is fantastic. Yes, yeah, Dredd is great. Yeah, uh, Judge Dredd. Not seen, it's one of those awful, those gems of a movie that uh, sadly never quite got its audience, and we're never going to get the sequel we deserve. But goddamn, that movie is fantastic. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world's dead, and everyone's crammed into what is it, like eight mega cities. Yeah, mega yep. cities. Yeah. yeah, a city block is essentially an entire city in and of itself. Yeah, mega city one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, but yeah, only if I can be a street judge. Like I said, that's I, I, I got to have one of the bikes and one of those guns. They're awesome. Oh, the law. Yeah, the guns are no, awesome. lawgiver. Lawgiver. Yep. Oh, those things are awesome. Yeah. So my. Uh, my honorable mention obviously would be to my uh, hero and best friend, Kurt Russell. Uh, whenever yeah. he, he starred in uh, the timeless classic escape from New York. I don't necessarily know that it's post-apocalyptic, but it feels that way because, you know, New York city is just a giant prison full of psychopaths. So I feel like we've, it's definitely dystopian. Yeah. Society. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah. Dissolved into chaos. And like uh, your hero is a convicted bank robber. With one eye, so <laughs> yeah, um, and gunfighter. Forget that. <laughs> yeah, the gun he uses has, is an Uzi with a fucking scope on it, and uh, <laughs> I want to say yep. he aims with the eye that has a patch on it. Sometimes, <laughs> so <laughs> it just it makes little to no sense. So Kurt Russell, he's allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's Kurt Russell. So that's what I'm saying. He, uh, that's he's the greatest actor of all time, and that's why I had to throw it out there. That's why I probably it probably should have been my number one, but I feel like uh, Mad Max Fury Road is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yes. So that would probably be the uh, the atmosphere that I would want to live in. I mean, don't get me wrong; I enjoy the Postman and World, but I cannot say those are good movies. Mad Max Fury Road is maybe the greatest movie as far as visual storytelling goes. The greatest movie in like the last 20 years. Yes. You can put that movie on, hit mute from the the first frame and follow that story perfectly because it does not revolve around dialogue. It is all about gorgeous cinematography and balls out action scenes that are all fucking real because uh, who does that shit anymore now, yeah no, now, now, that, that movie was was intended to to, to jumpstart the mad max franchise right they were wanting to make more they? yes yes and no uh it took long story short it took them 30 years to get another mad max movie made mm-hmm. and the studio was all gung-ho to do another one after that because it did it did such great business and got great critical reviews um and the director whose name i can't think of uh is is working on another one but he's in no rush to crap one out like if he's gonna do another one he wants it to top what he did with fury road so we might be waiting another 30 years to get a seat but but it's not dead it's not dead it'll happen at some point uh, in what shape it'll take i don't know will tom hardy be in it i don't know 
Uh, I think the rumor right now is it's going to be a prequel to Fury Road that focuses on the story of Furiosa. Uh, and they're looking to recast with a younger actress. And I get the, the girl from uh, Split and New Mutants, which is never going to come out. Uh, uh, hold on. I'll pull on a Julian. I forget names now. Uh, but George Miller Robert. is the director. So thank you. Uh, let me look up what's her name. Uh, Anna Taylor. No, something Taylor Joy. Hold on. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Anna Taylor Joy. Uh, yeah, from the yeah, the witch and uh, split. Uh, she's rumored right now to be playing the. Yeah, she'd be awesome. Yeah, no. I, that, it, if that ends up happening, I'm all cool. Uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, we'll definitely get probably more Mad Max stuff because George Miller is working on it, but he's in no rush to to crap it out again. It took him 30 years to make a sequel to Beyond Thunderdome. And I think it was worth the wait. So there we go. Alrighty. Any other shout outs? Any other uh, honorable mentions? Um, I had a couple more on my list. Shoot them out. Uh, Zombieland. Yeah. Only because that just looks fun. Nah, I'm sorry. Maybe. It, it yeah. does. Well, Zombieland and Shaw, both of those. Because I like those movies. I love the movies. If I'm going to live in a you know, p- apocalypse. Uh, even though technically Shaun of the Dead's not post-apocalyptic because it kind of resolves itself at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, um, that those would be the ones that because obviously they don't take themselves too seriously <laughs> and, and everything, and you you can kind of still get out and about. Uh, you're not just hole up <laughs> like, in a hole, like Bill Murray says. Yeah, you have to get out and do stuff. Yeah, uh, Julian, I think I found your new uh, my new intro for you. You, are, Julian, you are the last my Columbus. Say what? Sorry, you cut out. Say it again. <laughs> you are the Tallahassee to my Columbus. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I love it. But would I be Lexington Coxet. now? Is that what I'd be? I don't know. That's I guess I would be your tell. Yeah. No, you, you'd be Vegas, Julian. Yeah, it's true. I would be Vegas. If it's the city you're trying to get to, right? Or is it the city you're from? I forget. I watched. I think it's where you're from. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. I mean, I like Tallahassee, except I agree with him. Coconuts bullshit. Um, but Woody Harrelson's like a weird vegan, so I would have to have like regular Twinkies, not whatever bullshit vegan Twinkies they made for him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm down. Hell yeah. So. Any other Scott? No, those those, okay. those were it. It's a good list, man. Well, that being said, I believe that concludes our episode this week. So, uh, if you think you know what gun Julian is playing with right now, let us know in the comments, <laughs> and you might win yourself uh, whatever prize we come up with—a uh, thirty-day free subscription to Shutter. Uh, with a code that I definitely am not just pulling out of uh, their Instagram. It's definitely a code only we have. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> so uh, let us know what gun Julian's playing with. Let us know what post-apocalyptic world you would like to live in. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, what a day. What a lovely day. 
Crawl out through the fallout, baby, when they drop that bomb. Crawl out through the fallout with the greatest of aplomb. When your white count's getting higher, hurry, don't delay. I'll hold you close and kiss those radiation burns away. Crawl out through the fallout, baby, to my loving arms.